You're listening to Season 2 of the Live 360 Podcast with Tony Sutherland, and this is Episode 59. Hey guys, let's just jump right on in. I'm excited about today's podcast. We're talking about the Wilderness Survival Guide 2.0, learning how to make it through those dry wilderness times of our life, the Wilderness Survival Guide. And I'm going to be sharing some things today that maybe you never heard about the wilderness and how that you can process it, survive it, make it through, and actually make the wilderness work to your advantage. The Bible says that we're going to go through valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, sometimes valleys are dark places. Valleys and darkness and shadow and death. And and I know all of us are dealing with our own struggles in one way or the other. And I'm not going to demean or belittle any of them. If it's tough for you, it's tough for you. And I want to encourage you in this time in the wilderness, we all go through them. But in one of my previous podcasts, way back, we talked about the water of baptism. You know, when Jesus was baptized and he was introduced by his father, the very next moment he found himself in a wilderness. And that's where we find ourselves in one way or the other. One moment we're in the waters of affirmation and things are going well and we feel support and we've got friends and we've got the Lord speaking a word to us and we're encouraged. And then the very next moment we're right there in the wilderness and the enemy is whispering in our ear and he's trying to discourage us and lie to us. And I want to encourage you today that there is a way for us to endure and make it through the wilderness. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, for every believer, there's hope that we're going to make it through the wilderness. We're not camping out there. We're not going to live there. We're not going to always be there. But yes, life is full of wilderness experiences. And Jesus is with us the entire time. I want to share a scripture with you right here at the top. It's in Deuteronomy 32 and 10. Listen to what it says. It says, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. Watch this. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. This is in direct reference to the Israelites, how God surrounded the Israelites. He fed them. He led them with his presence. He guarded them with a pillar of fire at night and led them by a cloud of his presence in the day and fed them supernaturally from heaven and and rescued them and redeemed them and brought them into the promised land. And for us, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He saved us with his blood and he brought us into his promise. And I want to give you just another few scriptures that you can you know, review later, but specifically look at Leviticus chapter 16, 1 through 28, and specifically these verses, 8, 9, 10, 20, 21, 22, 26. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole passage of scripture today, but I'm just going to summarize. You know, when the priest, that day of atonement, that one day a year when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood on the holy place and and then he would take a goat 
And what would happen when that priest would lay his hands on the head of that goat, what he was doing is he was laying all of the sins of all the people, the whole nation of Israel, that one day of atonement, and he was laying the sins on the head of that goat and send that goat out into the wilderness. And that goat would go into the wilderness and never return. That goat would be devoured by wild animals and face the harsh elements of the desert and the wilderness. And that scapegoat was a representation, a symbol of what Jesus did for us. Jesus was our scapegoat. What does that mean? He took our punishment. God laid upon him the sins of the world, and then he went and died outside the city in the camp, and the demons ravaged his body. He was tortured, mutilated, bled and died for us in the wilderness, in the desert. He was our scapegoat. But there was another time that Jesus went into the wilderness, and it was when he was tempted of the devil. Do you remember that? The Bible says that after the Lord was baptized, the Bible says the spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He fasted 40 days and he was wrestling with his assignment and the enemy came and tempted him three different times. He whispered in his ear. He said, if you're the Lord, make these stones become bread. And if you're God, jump down off the pinnacle of the temple and the angel will catch you up. And then he takes him into a high place, exceedingly high place. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you will just worship me. I'll give you all of these. And and there's a whole story there. In, in a nutshell, though, Jesus was being tested in his willingness to follow through with his assignment. Will you do what I've sent you to do? And this was a situation like we've never been through. Okay. But Jesus is our great example. What he did right there is he showed us, he went before us and he defeated the enemy on his own territory. And the reason why he did this, he went before us in the presence of our enemies, because there's going to be times when we go from the water of baptism to the wilderness of testing and trial and struggle. And we're going to hear the lies of the enemy. You know, it's in those dry places that the enemy speaks to us in Luke chapter 11, the Bible says, Jesus is talking. He says, when a spirit goes out of a man or an evil spirit goes out of the man, he roams about in dry places. You see, when you're in dry places and you're going through a struggle and a difficulty and a challenge in your life, you're going to hear the whispering and the discouragement and the lies of the enemy will be in your ear because he loves to hang out in dry places. And when you go through those dry wilderness, those seasons of your life when it's very difficult when you're out there and you feel alone and the dust is blowing and it's dry and there's no water and and you don't feel the affirmation and you don't hear the voice of the Lord all you hear are the lies of the enemy and second guessing and self-doubting and all of that that's where the enemy likes to dwell but remember Jesus went to the wilderness before you and he silenced the enemy he put him in his place he said get behind me For I am the Lord God and only the Lord shall you worship. He was silencing the enemy on our behalf. He was our scapegoat and him going into the wilderness was a type and shadow of what he did for us. He went into the wilderness 
and he showed us what he was going to do. In fact, God was giving him kind of a taste, a foretaste of what he was going to experience. But Jesus overcame because the Bible said he came back from the wilderness and he was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's awesome. Do you know you can go into a wilderness and you will come out of that wilderness empowered by God because there's something about a wilderness that you don't get at the water. There's something about being in the wilderness that teaches us something that we don't get at the waters of baptism. We learn how to endure. We learn how to trust and we learn how to put the enemy in his place. You know, when the devil said, hey, why don't you just jump up and dive off the, the, the pinnacle of the temple, you know, because the Bible says that the angels will catch you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And, you know, Jesus could have done that and it would have ended everything. It would have been like, yeah, I'll just go up there and get it over with and they'll see that I'm God because the angels will catch me up. And when the angels catch me up, all of Israel will see that I'm the true one. But no, he continued in the assignment that God gave him. And I want to tell you where you are. Man of God, woman of God, continue the assignment that God has for you. I'm encouraging someone right now. Don't give up. It may be a wilderness where you are. It may be dry out there. But just like I read in Deuteronomy 32 and 10, you were in a desert land in the howling waste of the wilderness, but God is encircling you. He's caring for you. He's keeping you as the apple of his eye. You need to write that verse down. You need to type it down. You need to put it on your mirror. Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. God is with you in the wilderness. This is a lesson you're going to learn in the wilderness. And sometimes it takes a moment, but God will show up in the middle of that wilderness and remind you that he's with you. He's taking care of you and you are the apple of his eye. Now let's go back to Leviticus 16 just for a moment. We're, we're going to follow the scapegoat into the wilderness. Now remember the scapegoat is Jesus. Jesus was your scapegoat. He took your punishment. He died in the wilderness. He died on the cross. He took your sins. He took what you deserved and you got what he deserved. God laid the sins of the world on that scapegoat. And it's interesting because if you read Leviticus 16, there's actually a name for the territory or the area of the desert that that scapegoat would wander off to where there were jackals and wild animals and, and dangerous places. It was no place for a goat. And the place was called Azazel. Now, the name Azazel means the place where demons dwell. The place where demons dwell. Think about that. In the wilderness is where the devil loves to hang out. And he loves to call us into the wilderness and, and harass us and lie to us. And, you know, anything having to do with outside the camp with the children of Israel was a terrible place. This was the place where the socially unacceptable and unclean would dwell. They were to be cast to the outside of the camp lepers. Now I want you to think about that. It's an undesirable place. And it's in those places where the the devil dwells and he lies to us. And I want to encourage you right now that you are not in your wilderness alone. Jesus is there with you. Yea though, <laughs> I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. For you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. You know, there's just something about our wilderness experiences that we encounter the grace and presence of God like we wouldn't anywhere else. For he is a present help where in the time and the place 
of trouble. Don't you think that Moses and the children of Israel were pretty glad when they were walking on dry ground? Come on, think about that. I mean, they had to walk through on dry ground, but guess what was happening? The Lord was holding back the floodwaters from engulfing them and destroying them, and he was holding the enemy back behind them so that when they made it through that dry land, when the enemy came in, God washed over the enemies of the people of God. And you know, sometimes it takes walking into some dry places, some dry ground, some places where it feels like there's no life, there's no productivity there's no fruitfulness there's no open doors it's just dry and fruitless but I'm here to tell you you don't always have to be bearing fruit to be in the will of God sometimes God will call you to a dry place to show you that he's God to show you that miracles exist how many of you know when the children of Israel were looking to the right and looking to the left all they saw was miracles but it took some dry ground for them to experience that and his leading will often lead you right out into the wilderness you know atonement is made in the wilderness not just the holy places of our life and sometimes in the wilderness when we're in those experiences there's some things going on inside of us there's an atonement going on there's a cleansing going on there's a trusting going on there's more depending on Jesus than ourselves you know so often when we're in the high place and the waters of baptism and the waters of affirmation when the skies are open (laughs) and the spirit is descending on us and we're hearing the voice of God like Jesus did on the day of his baptism those times are great and we don't really have to work our faith and work our trust but it's in the wilderness when we're going out into those places that is when atonement takes place it teaches us to trust God to rely on him lean hard on him guys the wilderness is a good place It's not a bad place. It's a place where you can encounter Jesus doing his greatest work in your life. Think about the disciples when Jesus died and he was gone and he was nowhere to be found. And they were in that upper room shaken like leaves and and fearful that that the Judaizers and the soldiers and the Romans would come and take them to crucifixion and they were probably panicking and in fear but it's in that moment that jesus was doing one of his greatest work he was setting souls free and he was doing the work of atonement and i want to encourage you that when you're out there in the wilderness don't think it's a bad place Praise God in the wilderness. The Bible says that we should count it all joy when you enter into various trials and testing because it's producing a work inside of you. It's causing you to grow up in the Lord. You know, Christianity is not a vacation. It's not a resort. It's a battlefield. And we're proclaiming the gospel in the midst of persecution and doubters and haters and skeptics. But the wilderness is a good place. And if you're in, a, in an assignment right now that seems like a, a wilderness, it's a good place. Hey guys, I want to take a minute right here in the middle to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a generous review, give us five stars, tell us what you think, and then share this podcast with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you're hearing today. We're talking about lessons in the wilderness. And all of us go through wildernesses. It's, it's a time when the enemy tries to lie to us, discourage us, because the enemy likes to hang out in those dry places. But I'm here to tell you the scapegoat, Jesus, 
is in your wilderness too. He's been there. He knows. And he went before you and silenced the lies of the enemy. It has no power over you. Don't give in to the deception because guess what? There's a destiny in your desert right now. I believe some of you are soon coming out of your wildernesses and you're going to see what God was doing. And I'm excited about that. So let's jump back into this teaching, the Wilderness Survival Guide 2.0. You know, one of the things that the Lord taught me a few years ago when I was entering into an assignment, I was dreading it. I was dreading it because I knew that that it wasn't everything that everybody thought it was going to be. You know, a lot of people who haven't been in ministry, they don't understand what they're about to walk into. Sometimes they may think it's like a popularity club and it's, you know, they're being promoted, but sometimes ministry feels like a demotion. And if you've had your ears open and your heart exposed to real ministry, sometimes you know what others don't see. And I, I was getting ready to take this assignment and I was dreading it. To be honest, I was dreading it. And I said that for weeks. Lord, I'm just dreading this. I'm just dreading this. And I remember the night before I was to enter this ministry assignment, I heard the Lord speak to me, Tony, don't dread it. Get excited. Tony, don't dread it. Get excited. You know, and I thought to myself, how am I going to get excited walking into a wilderness? And God was trying to give me a new perspective of my wilderness. He says, Tony, I want you to see the wilderness, not for what you see it, but what I see it doing in you. Now, I want to take a quick turn because in the wilderness, there's a moment where some of you have an option to escape. You have an option to get out. You have an option to quit. And that's what Jesus had when Satan said, why don't you just jump off the pinnacle? Let's just end all the suffering and the struggle and the death that you're going to have to go through and all the pain and suffering and, and battle that you're going to have to face. Let's just shortcut that, jump off the pinnacle, let the angels catch you up, and then the people will see you. They'll automatically know you're God, and that'll clear up everything. But Jesus knew that the destiny that he had was greater than himself, greater than himself. And see, God has sent you into the wilderness to cause you to stop fighting the battle for self and surrender it and give it to God and follow through with the assignment he's given you so that you can see many sons, many daughters, see much fruit out of your life. You know, guys, I've heard people say, man, if I would just plant it in rich soil, I could produce more. Sometimes God will plant you in the desert to bear the best fruit of all. You got to know that if you're in a wilderness, God must be up to something good in your life. God didn't send you to the wilderness to punish you. God didn't send you to the wilderness to bring you down and destroy you. God sent you to the wilderness to strengthen you and to solidify his work in your life. You know, the Bible tells us that Elijah had to leave his brook. He was uh, given water and the ravens would fly over his head and feed him bread and it dried up. And guess what? Elijah had to get up from that brook, his place of supply and resource, and he had to go to a widow's house, an old widow that had no food, no provision, barely a little cot for him to sleep on. Now, can you believe that God would do that, send the man of God. You know that Elijah was the man of God and Elijah had to go where death was. You know, the widow had a dead son. I mean, Elijah shows up and there's a dead son laying in the upstairs apartment. 
But the Bible says that Elijah went in and stretched himself out over the boy and brought him to life and miracles flowed out of that home. The Bible says that when the woman gave Elijah the very last meal that she had and the very last bit of oil that she had, that the barrels and the the pots never ceased to produce oil and bread never stopped flowing. I'm just telling you it was a miracle, but Elijah had to trust God and leave his former place of provision and go to an old widow's house with nothing. And sometimes God will call you to a place that looks barren and dry and nothing to show you himself, to reveal himself, to show you miracles, to show you real provision out of nothing. I don't know about you, but I've been in some dry places and God showed up and blessed my life. And I knew it was God because I had no power in my own hands to make it happen. I'm telling you, God wants to show you that he can show up in the middle of your desert. Guys, there's a destiny in someone's desert today. And God wants to use you in a powerful way to bring life to people that are in the wilderness with you. You know, you're not in the wilderness alone. There's people all over the world right now that are in a wilderness and there's people right around you that are in the wilderness with you. And God wants to use you to encourage them, bring them to life. You know, they say that dead boy that Elijah stretched himself out over was Jonah. And you know what Jonah did? He had his own little reckoning with God, but he ended up evangelizing the city of Nineveh and won everybody to God through that endeavor. You never know what wilderness you might go into and what life and what resurrection and what miracle you might bring out of it. And Satan's going to try to get you to shortcut your assignment. He's going to say, just jump, take the shortcut, button hook, turn around and go the other way. He wants you to shortcut your destiny. But if you take a shortcut towards your destiny, you might end up cutting short your destiny or cutting your destiny short. There's no easy way to fulfill a real call of God on your life. You know, there's another instance in this story where Satan took Jesus into an exceedingly high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. How, how is that possible? I've, I've been to tall mountains and I've only been able to see a, a few hundred miles, maybe out over the top of that mountain. You know, I believe that Satan took Jesus into his lair and opened up some kind of a window or portal where Jesus could see every kingdom of the world. And he offered him all these things. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord, your God. See, here's what happens in those situations. We can take temptation and we can take opportunities and we can take shortcuts and we can take things that look good. I don't know about you, but every time I've had a God-given assignment, some decoy presents itself. I've seen it time and time again in my life. And sometimes I hear the Lord say, just take the way that I've shown you. Go this way. Go this way. You've never been this way before. And, and I like the familiar I like the comfortable. I like the doors that when they open, it seems good on the other side. I don't like taking a door into a dry place. But somehow, sometimes, in so many ways, in so many seasons of my life, God has taken me into the dry places and commanded me to bypass the easy way, the quote-unquote profitable way. Some people would say, Tony, you are crazy for not taking that job. You are crazy for not taking that opportunity. Why are you going that way? I can't tell you how many great quote unquote opportunities I've turned down because I really felt the Lord saying, that's not for you. That's not for you. Stay true. 
stay focused. Stay the course. I want to tell somebody out there right now, stay the course. The battlefield isn't winning the battle over everybody else. The battlefield is over yourself and your surrender. Learning how to submit and obey the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus obeyed God to the point of death. Thank God he did that for me. Hallelujah. Man, I wouldn't be here today if Jesus hadn't endured his wilderness and obeyed God. And there's someone out there that needs you to obey God right now. There's someone out there. There's people out there, your family and your wife and your kids and your marriage. They're counting on you to fulfill your assignment. You know, I'm a traveling minister. I travel all over the world and I have to depend on God. I have to depend on support and gifts from my partners and especially during this pandemic. And, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you want to be a part of helping me continue to spread the gospel, you can give uh, to our ministry. You can go to TonySutherland.com forward slash give, and you can give us a one-time gift or you can become a recurring monthly partner. But you know, there's times when I'm out there in the wilderness and I want to just go do something else and make some money and provide better for my family during these dry times. But God says, Tony, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. And I'm here to tell you today, I've been married for 31 years. I'll I'll be married 32 years in July, just coming right up. My kids are old and grown, 25-year-old and 20-year-old, and their college bills have been paid, and they've been provided for, and we have a wonderful home, and God has beautifully and wonderfully supplied all our needs according to his riches and glory. I have to stay the course and trust God. No, I don't have everything that everyone else has. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Would I like to have some of those things? Sure. But my heart, my life, my purpose is to fulfill my assignment. And if it means walking through the wilderness, I know God is with me. He'll supply my needs. The Bible says that there are streams in the desert. There are secret watering holes. There are wells. And I'm not talking about just provision, but I'm talking about discoveries in the spirit and in my relationship with God. There's things in the wilderness, in the desert that I have discovered about Jesus and about my assignment and about his truth and about his will in my life and how how that God can take and create something, a miracle, a provision, a blessing out of the middle of nothing. What a God we serve. Let's not try to drive through the wilderness. This isn't Mad Max, guys. This is a walk. This is a faith walk. This is a grace walk. This is learning how to trust God in the desert times, knowing that he'll provide and knowing that he'll guide and knowing that he'll show us himself in the wilderness. You know, as you stand in the middle of your desert and you kind of survey your surroundings, you're probably going to see some cactuses in your desert. And those cactuses are full of thorns, prickly thorns. And the reason why they're Growing thorns is because they're in dry places. They're in arid places. If you take one of those cactuses and you put it in a source of water, flowers will actually grow out of that cactus. And the reasons why thorns are growing in those cactuses is because they're in dry places. And sometimes we have thorns in our life and it comes from being in the dry place. But I want to encourage you that Jesus took your thorns. He took your thorns on his brow. And when the blood wrapped around those thorns, he was removing the curse that comes through the thorn. And 
And I just want to encourage you right now that Paul himself had a thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan to torment him. And when you're in the wilderness, the enemy will try to torment you with a message that you're not going to make it. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to fulfill God's purpose. Your destiny is over. You missed it. You failed. He'll call you to second guess and doubt in his promises. But you have to remember that the Bible says that my grace is sufficient. When Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take this thorn. And he heard the Lord say, my grace is sufficient. Not to keep the thorn, but to take it out. You know, when you take the thorn out of the lion's paw, he gets his roar back. And I want to encourage you to get your roar back. Maybe some of you just need to roar in your desert. I will stay the course. I will complete my assignment. I will be faithful. And even when you're faithless, God is still faithful. That's the good news of the gospel. You know, we don't always get it right in the desert, in the wilderness. We don't always make the right turn. You know, Moses, (laughs) he went through the wilderness and failed miserably. And then God took him right back through the wilderness again, right into a Red Sea. And you know, Moses knew the desert better than anybody else. And I'm sure he was like, God, why did you bring me here? I know how to get around this place. You see, it doesn't even matter if you know what to do in the wilderness. God's going to get you to the place where you have no power. And he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See what God can do. See what waters he can part. Guys, there's a way in the wilderness. He made a way in the wilderness. And I know he's going to make a way in your wilderness, wherever you are with whatever you're going through. I'm telling you, don't let what you're going through define you. It's what you're going through, but you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty woman of God and the wilderness will make sense, but you got to stay the course. Don't cut yourself short. Don't try to escape. Don't try to run away from the assignment of God. Stay in it. See what God can do. And you're going to look back. I know you're going to look back and you're going to sing the song. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Hey guys, I hope what I've said has encouraged you. I hope that it has richly blessed you right in your wilderness. And if it has, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a generous review. Give us five stars. Tell us what you think and share this podcast with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you've heard today. Hey, I'll be back again real soon with another encouraging teaching, something to help you discover how to have peace and joy to the fullest in every area of your life. And until then, we'll see you.